Well, hello and welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Westlake podcast as we seek to stay connected during this time when we're all a bit separated. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Randall Zindler. And I've asked Randall to talk to us about leadership. And he knows what he's talking about. He was, of course, the former CEO of Medair here in Switzerland and the chairman of Mercy Ships Switzerland, as well as being on the advisory board for the School of Management at Lancaster University and teaching widely on executive education programs on leadership and strategy and governance. He's also the co-founder of Regenerative Alliance, which is a community of leaders who have joined forces to seek to transform their practices and become drivers of a regenerative economy, as well as partnering with Now Partners. Well, Randall, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Randall, maybe I can just start by asking you, why does leadership matter? Yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting question. Matter for whom? Leadership from whom? For what purpose? So these are other questions that come from that. But I guess uh, an image that that uh, comes to mind, looking at the lake right now, if you see me look out, sometimes I often look to nature for metaphors and things. And if you threw a rock out in the lake, uh, you'd see ripples, right? And so yeah. leadership is like that, that rock that plunges in and the ripples from that. So the impact can be huge. And if it's a big leadership role, like leading a nation, the impact of that will affect lots and lots of people and the environment and businesses and churches and many things. So Decisions around leadership, the, the style of leadership, all of that really matters because the, the implications can be enormous. And not just on that massive scale, I think even on the smaller scale of leading within families can have a lifelong impact, if for good or ill, in people's lives. Yeah, and, and their priorities matter then in the way that we lead. So what do we put our time to? Yeah. What do we invest in? How do we invest our energy and our time yeah. as, a, as a leader of a family? And we're obviously in a time of crisis at the moment, arguably. What makes for good leadership in times when everything is up in the air? There's a lot of visibility on leadership in a crisis when things are normal and the sun is shining and things kind of plod along. Yeah. There's less to talk about. <laughs> and the news loves then sometimes crisis because it brings more drama, doesn't it? And yeah. they can even under uncover things. Uh, that makes it even more interesting. And maybe we'll and multiply the drama. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So engaging others is really key. Um, and communication, communication, communication is really key. Where do we get our wisdom? Where's the wise counsel around us as a leader? Are we the kind that kind of stays hunkered down and alone? Yeah. Or are we able to call on the wisdom of others, uh, as it says in Proverbs, in fact, uh, to be able to make wiser decisions? And also think about whatever planning we're doing in a crisis is probably not what's really going to happen. Yeah. We still need to plan. We still need to think ahead and get ready and prepare and so forth. But how that works out in reality. So then how can we adapt to the context of the crisis, yeah. knowing that the crisis will change? Whatever was going on, let's just take at the global level, the financial crisis a decade ago. Now we're in a pandemic. Well, there are some similarities, but there's also a lot of differences. So how we can adapt and flex in that as a leader is key. Yeah. And as you look at the Bible generally and the, the gospel in particular, what principles do you see there that can help inform the way that we lead? 
Yeah, we touched on this before, uh, Martin, in, in a conversation. And while there's so much that we can gain from various characters, various stories, various histories within the Bible, as I was reading the other day, Genesis 1, so I didn't get very far <laughs> before I bumped into this very question. Right? Who, who's the key leader in that story? Uh, it's God. And so then what are the attributes that we're starting to see in his leadership? Well, creativity, creation, uh, innovation, amazing. As you look at creation, just the unbelievable uh, complexity and beauty in and around that and adaptability of nature and so on and so forth. So creativity, innovation as attributes, yeah. traits, I guess, of the leader, love. And then I guess as we read a little bit further into the story, we see that there's something around, you know, God didn't start with people. The first verse isn't around people. There's an orderliness to it and, and, and some prioritization or preparation for the, the next things that happen, okay? There's sky and there's light and dark and, and water and, and, and plants, animals, you know, and, and, and then people. And so this thinking about doing the right things in the right order is uh, coming through quite strongly, certainly in the first aspect. So some of the key attributes that I've mentioned, and then uh, around the, um, the process of leadership and leading towards something and with a purpose and clarity would be another set of, I guess, principles I would take from that. They could be applied to our lives now. Yeah. These are great. As, as you were saying that, I was thinking about, you said earlier about communication being the key. And of course, the Lord leads through speaking in Genesis 1, doesn't he? It, it very much is he speaks and things happen. And even there, the importance of communication. Yeah. Randall, we're talking with the students at the moment in our student Bible study about Samson. We're looking at the book of Judges and the deficit between his gifts and his character. What place does character play in leadership? Mm. Yeah, a lot. I mean, Thinking back a few uh, moments ago when talking about the implications of leadership and how sometimes journalists uh, are, are looking for things to, to, to put into the news. Of course, if we can find yeah. a character flaw, oh, there's going to be drama around that. Right? Other things, you know, if an accountant um, makes an error and, you know, puts the wrong numbers in the, in, you know, in the box, um, that could, there could be implicated, maybe even jail time, maybe a fine, maybe they get fired, maybe, you know, but it's a competency issue and, and sort of life goes on. But if there's a character issue involved of corruption and a bunch of other stuff going on in their life, ooh, now we've got a story. Yeah. And so I think somehow it seems that character, we're, we're all a little bit more sensitized. Our antennas are up a little bit higher when we get to issues of character. Coming right to your question, what importance does character play if I'm going to hire a leader for a very important role as maybe opposed or together with other attributes, traits, or competencies? So what are they? Maybe technical skills, sure. um, maybe commitment, uh, maybe capacity. Do they have the energy to lean into that role and really produce and bring things? And all of that is important, really, really important. Yeah. In fact, if, if a lot of those ingredients are missing, then it's probably better to move on to other candidates. Uh, and so character is really important and rises a little bit above the others because some of those you can train, but character as it's 
lived out in a variety of ways in our life and affects a lot of people. And, and um, our example into the world comes through our character. It's really, really important. And when it goes wrong, then it has an impact on followers, of course. So we've been talking about leadership now. What about followership? Yeah. And who wants to follow a leader with major character flaws? Yeah. These are character flaws. What are some of the other common recurring deficiencies that you see in leaders? And, and what can we do to improve leadership? I would say issues of pride and issues of fear would be two biggies that come out as a basis for then I mean, some of the symptoms that follow on from that. So if we say, if the, if the causes are fear and pride for a lot of dysfunctionality, well then what do we see then? And it can be in subtle forms or it can be extremely overt forms of uh, self-protection, extreme control, possibly even aggression and uh, manipulation and closed-mindedness where the environment really calls on being open-minded and creative and innovative, that, those are opposite of what fear looks like. Fear gets us to freeze up or fight or flight or freeze, right? But when we're without fear and leaning toward joy, there's an openness and a creativity and an innovation. In fact, some of the things that come from what we read about in Genesis 1. Um, pride the same way. So that can be self-inflation, narcissism, and so forth. That's some of the, the um, implications of someone that is living under that. And sometimes they know it, sometimes they don't, which brings in to other questions. How, how does one know? Are there tools available? How does one, one can live half their life, maybe all their life, living under this umbrella of pride and, or fear or some other dark attributes of leadership and not even know it? Of course, the Christian faith has a whole lot to say about pride and mm -hmm. fear and joy. Randall, I think many people would say that leadership can be lonely. What can a leader do to combat that? And what place do mm. friends or trusted advisors play in the life of a good leader? Yeah, it's, you've heard it a lot because I, um, I, I think it's a reality for many. And many leaders um, would or feel shame or stigma if they were to be vulnerable, when in fact we know that leaders that can show vulnerability in, in um, inappropriate ways can actually, uh, it can help foster connection and relationship with those uh, around them. So clearly there is a, a place for openness of leaders to explore, but there's also a, a resistance to do that. Why? Because often many leaders are without peers, specifically in the CEO role. Uh, then where do, does one go? One um, would be self-awareness is maybe an issue. How is one then self-aware? So a tool has been used for many years, the Yohari window developed by professors Joan Harry. As one look at themselves and look at what are the issues that are um, that I know in a four box matrices sort of window that I know and everyone else knows, but then there are areas with, that they know, but I don't know my blind spots. There's issues that I know, but they don't know where I'm masking maybe issues. Mm -hmm. And then there's the, the big question mark space, the stuff that I don't know and they don't know either. Yeah. And how am I as a leader able to consider those and expand my narrow, perhaps lonely place and open it up and enlarge myself and expose myself to others in a healthy way? I think so. Um, I just 
um, triggered another thought, which is, I think, necessary because everything I've just talked about is around self-reflection and self-awareness. Yeah. And where is the space in my life for reflection? And most people would say there isn't any. I haven't created space in my life to really reflect deeply. Another then is those around me. So am I connecting with counterparts? Again, back to wise is he who seeks, seeks counsel of many. Am I in a forum of some kind where I can share deeply, where I can be mentored, where I can listen deeply? And am I a leader that is reaching out to get critique, to get feedback, to understand deeply the issues around me? Or do I remain in that, well, lonely place? And for our younger listeners, maybe students, young adults, if you could sit down and talk to a young Randall Zindler, what would you tell him now? What, what would you do or what would you not do to set you on the path to fruitful leadership? It's mm, a good question. There's a lot of noise in the world, Martin. There's just, there's just incredible noise. And it's, it seems like it's getting noisier. It is, yeah. And um, it's like the plague of trivialism. You know, that's the pandemic, I think. It was before the current pandemic that yeah. we're in of trivialism. And it's just, everything's calling for our attention and the messaging is loud and constant. And so I think the, uh, I would say that an attribute of maturity as one, and I, which can begin at a very young age to start to, what do I say no to? Yeah. Do I lean into the world and all of its noise? Some of it good, but it's just constant request for my attention. Do I lean into that or do I understand myself better, understand the Lord more deeply, connect with him more deeply and others around me uh, more meaningfully. Then the, the implications of that, the ripples of the pond, will come from a place and a source that is uh, deep and lasting and unchanging, rather than this blowing in the wind, tips and tricks, um, and calling of our attention all the time and everywhere. Uh, but that would be one, to keep it simple as well, slow down, say no, think deeply, ask others to um, invite them into um, helping me shape my life in a way that is meaningful and aligned with his purpose. Go for depth, not superficiality. Yeah. Randall, thank you so much. That's really helpful. Randall, God bless you and God bless everybody else. Thanks so much, Martin. Thank you. Bye-bye.